Good morning. We need more of an experience of the presence and the power of God today. That is what each and every one of us needs more than anything else. We need a deeper connection with God. We need to know what it means to really pray and to see how God answers prayer. There is a, an incredibly irreverent, but I think hilarious scene from the Will Ferrell movie, Talladega Nights. If you've seen it, you probably know the scene I'm talking about, where they're sitting around the table, getting ready to uh, enjoy a meal together, he and his family and his best friend. And uh, he, they all bow their heads to pray. And, and uh, Ricky Bobby, Will Ferrell's character, he's this famous race car driver who's really su- successful. He bows his head and he says, Dear tiny infant Jesus. And he starts going on. And then his wife stops him really quickly. She's like, Ricky Bobby, you, you can't pray to a baby. It's really off-putting to pray to, a, pray to a baby. You need to stop. And then immediately what happens is the whole table starts becoming engrossed in a conversation of, of how they like to picture Jesus best. And so his best friend says, I like to picture Jesus with a tuxedo t-shirt because it's formal, but it says I'm here to party. And then his son says, I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off samurai. And Will Ferrell's character, Ricky Bobby, says, I, I, he insists, I like baby Jesus the best. And so that's who I'm going to pray to. I don't care what you guys say. And then he, he dives in again. You know, dear, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny if, uh, if you're willing to laugh at it. Um, but my point here is that I think how we understand who Jesus is directly impacts how we pray. And it impacts our experience of prayer and our experience of, of life, really. Um, and the problem, I think, that most of us have is that a lot of us have kind of a small, imperfect vision of who Jesus is. Um, a weak understanding of who Jesus is. This Advent season, um, Advent is about celebrating the coming of Jesus, looking forward to the return of Jesus. It's about celebrating the appearing of Jesus. And so this Advent season, what I want to do over the next four Sundays is I want to look at Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to look at this passage every week. And we're going to really zero in on the names that Isaiah gives to the promised one, the infant that's going to be born, the names of Jesus. And, and think about what, are these, what do each of these names tell us about who Jesus is? in order that our, our understanding, our vision of who Jesus is would be expanded. And, and we're going to do something a little different. I'm going, to, I'm going to try my best to do a shorter sermon, okay? But at the end of the sermon, we are going to have a prayer meeting. And we're going to pray together. We're going to have an extended time of, of, of just praying to Jesus in response to him and who he reveals himself to us as. And we're going to do that together, and I'll explain, I'll explain a little more when we get to it, okay? Um, but that's what we're going to try this, this, uh, this uh, Advent season. And, and so the first name we're going to look at 
is, uh, is the first name that's listed, that, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. So listen to God's word as I read from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. It's printed in your order of worship if you want to follow along there. If you don't have a Bible, listen to God's word. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the, Gent- of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we we pray that you would open up our eyes this morning as we consider Jesus, the wonderful counselor, all that he is, we pray that you would grow our understanding of the greatness and the majesty and the glory of Jesus, that we would respond as we should, that we would expect more and long for more of you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't, I don't know if you realize this, but the entire movie, It's a Wonderful Life, how many of you guys have watched It's a Wonderful Life? One of the greatest movies ever. Um, but the entire movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is, it, it revolves around prayer. Did you realize this? Um, it revolves around uh, two prayers that George Bailey makes during the movie and how those prayers are answered, actually. Um, one of those prayers is one of the ones I meant, want to mention first. It's, it's, uh, he, he, it comes to a point where he is experienced kind of like the most dark time in his entire life when everything seems to be completely falling apart. And he is now facing bankruptcy with his business and often also he's facing possible jail time, going to prison. And his, his, his life, his family's life will absolutely fall apart. And so he goes to a bar and he's sitting there at the bar and he prays. And this is what he prays. He says, Dear Father in heaven, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and you're listening, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way. I think like George Bailey, there are a lot, every single one of us have times in our lives when we are desperate for God to answer us, 
We're desperate for God to give us guidance. We're desperate for God to show us the way because it feels incredibly dark and we don't know which way to turn. We don't know what the right thing to do is. Uh, Some of us even today I know are facing things that are overwhelming in your lives, things that are incredibly painful in your lives. And, and it does feel very gloomy. You know, the, the weather today is very appropriate. It feels very gloomy, right? But even, even when we aren't experiencing those intense moments in our lives, I think very rarely does life feel like it's crystal clear and we always know exactly what we need to do, exactly where we need to go, exactly what we need to put our effort, where we need to put our efforts as we're, as we're living our life, as we're doing our work, as we're interacting with our, our families and our friends. And I think all of us, every day of our lives, we're in need of guidance. We're in need of somebody to lead us, in need of somebody to give us wisdom. In order to just live life in a healthy way, we need wisdom. We need help. Um, In Isaiah 9, one of the things that Isaiah, one of the ways that Isaiah refers to the coming Savior is as the wonderful counselor. And, and he begins Isaiah 9 by talking about people who were once in gloom, right? They were, they were experiencing gloom. He says, there will, no, there will be no gloom for who was in, who was in anguish. Um, he's saying you know, the coming of this child is going to, to, to set people free from the gloom that they are experiencing, who, who will give people light, right? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. As dark as life might have felt for the people, the coming of this child is going to bring light to them. Now, that's what you need in the midst of darkness. You need somebody to, to, to turn the lights on to help you to find the way, right? And that's what Isaiah is promising about this child, about this person who is going to come. And I think it has everything to do with the fact that he is the wonderful counselor. And this morning, I just want to take a few minutes to think about what does it mean that Jesus is the wonderful counselor? What does it say about who he is, and what does it say about where he leads us, okay? So what does it say? What does the fact that he's the wonderful counselor say about who he is? Well, the first word to describe him is wonderful, and if, and if we're not careful, if, if, we, if we're not paying attention, we'll, we'll probably just assume that wonderful means, you know, he's a really good counselor. I mean, that's how we use the word wonderful, right? Most of us, if we go on a great vacation, how was your vacation? Oh, it was wonderful. It was awesome. It was a great time. You know? What's a really popular song at this time of year? It's the most wonderful time of the year. What does that mean? It just means that it's like better than any other time of the year. Because the holiday meetings, you know, the friends that come to call, everything, everything about this time of year just makes it better than any other, you know? But I don't think that's what he's talking about when he refers to him as the wonderful counselor. The word wonderful, there's a lot more weight on this word wonderful than just the fact that he's really good or he's better than other people. It's, it, the word wonderful, when Isaiah uses the word wonderful in, in his book, um, and, and even throughout the rest of the Old Testament, almost always the word wonderful is referring to God himself. And it's referring to the things that God does. His works are wonderful. Show me your wonderful works, O God. Um, and the, the word wonderful is referring to God in the sense that he is beyond our comprehension that he is ultimate in, in every way possible, including his wisdom and his understanding. It is wonderful. It is, it is beyond our ability to understand. It's on a completely different level than us. The fact that his works are wonderful are, are beyond our ability to, to understand or even imagine. 
He is wonderful in that sense, in the, in the sense that he is he's on a completely different level from us. He knows everything, and he knows exactly what to do with everything. He is perfect in wisdom. That is who he is. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. When, when we think about a counselor, a lot of us you know, are familiar with the idea of a counselor, of going to counseling these days. When you, when you go to a counselor, you want somebody who has a lot of understanding, right? You want somebody who's able to understand you really well. You want somebody who's able to understand your circumstances really well. Well, this word wonderful refers to the fact that Jesus, his understanding knows no limits. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows things about you that you don't see about yourself. He knows you. Every little tiny detail about you. What's at the front of your mind and what's at the back of your mind. He knows you better than anyone else, even better than you yourself. He knows your circumstances better than you do. He understands your circumstances better than you do. He understands what you need way better than you do. His understanding is complete and full and beyond us. That's what it means that he's the wonderful counselor. He knows everything about us. He knows exactly what we need. He understands our situation better than we understand it. And so that is who he is. He is wonderful. He is beyond us beyond our ability to comprehend. Especially in, you know, when, we, when we look at our lives, there's a lot of stuff in our lives that, that's hard to understand. A lot of stuff in this world that's hard to understand. He understands it completely. It's absolutely clear to him. That is what makes him wonderful. Well, we live in a world nowadays where counselors are everywhere, and, and, and it's a good thing. I mean, think, I think we, we all, uh, most of us, you know, recognize the fact that, that counseling is a helpful thing. It's a healthy thing to see a counselor. But, but a counselor is only so good in, in is only as good as in, in where they actually are going to help you get to, where they help, where they help you lead, where they'll help lead you to, right? Um, in our years of doing foster care, with every single one of our kids, we've always had to take them to counseling. And, uh, and we've had some really great counselors, and we've had some other counselors who are kind of mediocre, and we've had some other counselors where we go, and we sit in the room, and, and our, our child that's with us is like just throwing stuff around the room, and, and like doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and the counselor's just sitting there, and we're just like, what are we doing here? Where is this going? You know, this, is, this feels like it's going nowhere, you know? You need a counselor who knows where they need to take you, and can actually help get you there. So if Jesus is the wonderful counselor, where is it that he will lead us? Well, just looking at other, some other verses in the Bible that have to do with, with counselors and have to do with things that have to do with counseling. Um, if you look at Isaiah 30, 30, verses 30 and 31, you can write these down if you don't have a Bible. Um, but I think that speaks to the fact that, that a counselor, a good counselor, a perfect counselor will, will take you to a place of, of purpose and clarity about where you need to go in life. In Isaiah 30, 30 and 31, it says, you will, hear your te- you will see your teacher and your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. Jesus is the wonderful counselor as we learn to listen to him helps us to know exactly where we need to go in life. Exactly where we need... He helps us understand what is really important 
and what isn't. He helps us understand where we need to put our energy and where we need to be like, that's, that's not really necessary. He helps us to, to, to he leads us to purpose and clarity. Um, in, in the book of Nahum, there's a prophet, a, a prophet named Nahum, and, and in chapter 1, verse 11, it says the prophet points out that, that one thing that makes a counselor worthless is that a worthless counselor plots evil. That's what he says in Nahum 1.11. That worthless counselors plot evil. Um, well, on the flip side, if worthless counselors plot evil, what do helpful, good counselors do? Well, you could say that they plot and scheme for your good. I think that's exactly who Jesus is. He is plotting. He is scheming. He is, he's laying awake at night thinking, what is going to be best? For Jeff today. A good counselor makes plans to help take you to a place where it's, it's better for you, where it is healthy for you, where it is good for you. He's plotting, he's scheming to do good. And then Proverbs 24 6, one more I'll just mention. Um, he points out in, in that, that verse, it talks about how in the, the abundance of counselors brings victory. When you have a, a lot of counselors, that brings victory or safety or security. This is where a good counsel leads. This is where Jesus leads. He leads us to a place of strength and safety and security and victory. When we talk about victory, does that mean that, that he's, he's planning on defeating all my enemies tomorrow? No. It doesn't mean that he's going to deliver me from all of my problems today. And that my life is going to be perfect. I say this all the time. There is a time as we celebrate Advent, we remember he is coming back. And when he comes back, yes, we will experience a victory like we can't even fathom when there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more sin. But I think even now, in the midst of the darkness or the pain or the struggle that we experience, if we will surrender to Jesus, if we will listen to him, he will give us strength to stand up in the midst of even the worst of circumstances. That is where he leads. He leads us to strength in the midst of a world that is profoundly broken. And so he leads us to, to a better, greater clarity in life, to, to greater strength as we live our lives, even in the midst of, of struggle and difficulty. And he leads us to... Um, greater safety, and, and, and even goodness. He leads us towards goodness and joy. He's plotting your good. And so you could say, in, in one sense, uh, the fact that he's a wonderful counselor leads us to a place where we have a better life. But that's not the ultimate. That's not the best place that the good counselor, that the wonderful counselor leads us. He leads us somewhere way more important, way more significant, a couple chapters later in Isaiah, in Isaiah 11, we learn where this counselor will get his wisdom. So try to just follow me here. In chapter 11, it says, there, will, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. Why is Jesus the wonderful counselor? It's because he, because the spirit is resting on him. The Spirit is giving him wisdom and counsel. The Spirit is leading him. 
That's what we see in the Gospels. We see a man who is, who is reliant on the Spirit of God for where he goes, for what he says, even as he heals people. He's reliant on the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the one who gives Jesus his wisdom, makes him the wonderful counselor that he is. I mean, even in, in John 14 and 16, Jesus talks about the Spirit of God, right? When he talks to his disciples, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm, it's better that I go because when I go, I'm going to leave someone else here to be with you, to be your helper. He says that a couple times, that the Holy Spirit is your helper. But if you, if you realize that, and if you look at the footnote in your Bible, that word for helper can also be translated counselor. That is who the Holy Spirit is. He is the, he is the counselor. And the question is, where does, the, where does this counselor lead us? Where does the spirit that rests on Jesus lead? Where does the spirit that, that lives in those who believe in Jesus lead? Where does he lead? Well, well, he says a number of things in John. He talks about how the spirit leads us to conviction of our sin, leads us into all truth. But a couple of crucial places that he leads us, it says he leads us to, to remember everything that Jesus has taught, everything about Jesus. That's where the spirit leads. And then he says, the spirit will glorify me. That's what Jesus says. The Spirit of God, the one who brings wisdom, the one who, who gives Jesus the, the ability to be the wonderful counselor, where does the Spirit lead? The Spirit leads to Jesus. The wonderful counselor, the greatest counseling advice he gives, this is what we need to realize as we look at Jesus in the gospel. You know what the greatest counseling advice he gives to anybody? It's when he says, come to me. That's the wisest thing you could ever possibly do. Come to Jesus. Because he knows exactly where you need to go. He knows, and he loves you perfectly. And he will take care of you. Come to Jesus. That is where we need to go because he is the wonderful counselor. It's, it's kind of like, you know, he is the wonderful counselor. The, the, the greatest thing he does as the wonderful counselor is tell us to come to him. That is where we need to spend our lives, at his feet at the cross where he died for us, listening to his words, the words of truth, and resting in his presence. He is the wonderful counselor. There is no one greater, no one more glorious. And so that's what I want to do now is, is to, is to go, to his, go to him, to sit at his feet, and to pray together, okay? Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tricking everybody here. You know, we, we could have a prayer meeting during the week, but I know only like five people will show up. So I'm bringing the prayer meeting to you because we need to pray together. We need to learn to cry out to God together. We need to learn to praise God together. And so we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray together. Um, you are welcome to just pray silently, but I also welcome you, as you feel led, to pray aloud. If you can, to pray aloud, and if you pray aloud, pray loud enough for others to hear you. If you, unless you're like really feeling burdened by the Spirit of God, try to keep it short so other people have a chance to pray as well. Um, but I encourage you, I, you may have never like been in a group and prayed out loud before. Relax. Just pray silently. But also, I encourage you, speak up, take a chance. We need to hear one another pray. That's good for us to hear one another Okay, so feel the freedom to praise God out loud, to ask him for things, whatever is on your heart. I'm going to lead us through a, a time where we're, going to, we're just going to um, spend a, a minute or two praising God for who he is, a minute or two confessing our sin, and then a few minutes 
asking him for whatever is on our hearts. So let's go to the feet of the wonderful counselor together and let's pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, you are wonderful. You are beyond our understanding, perfect in every way imaginable. And we take these next few minutes to praise you for who you are. Father, too often we imagine you and treat you as we want you to be rather than as you are. We pray that you would show each of us how we've made you into our image. We confess how we've treated you and your power as if you are small in the midst of our problems and challenges rather than bigger than we can conceive. And Father, we confess ways that we've assumed we know better than you when it comes to how our lives look or what we should be pursuing or even day-to-day choices we're making. Father, we pray that you would forgive us for the decisions we've made this past week without consulting you as our wonderful counselor. We confess our sin to you now. Thank you. 
Father, we need you to guide us. We need your wisdom. We now pray to you and ask for your counsel generally and specifically in different areas of our lives, in our church, in our families, in our work, in our neighborhoods, in our world. And we lift up our petitions to you now, the things that we need from you.
Father, we pray for your spirit to work in us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to pay attention to your spirit this week to lead us and guide us and give us wisdom, even how we spend our time this week, how we, how we speak to those around us. We pray that we would seek to let you lead us. And we pray, Father, that you would continually remind us, that your spirit would continually remind us to, to return over and over again to Jesus whose grace is greater than we can imagine. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, since we, uh, as part of that prayer, we spent some time confessing our sins, so we're going to go ahead and skip the prayer of confession that's in your order of worship, and we're going to head straight over to the, uh, um, the Lord's table. Um, but in doing that, let me read the words of assurance from 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. This is the, the good news of the gospel, that it's, if you are in Christ, then you have life. You know God you know that he knows and delights in you. And if you've received the work of Jesus this morning, this meal is for you, and I encourage you to take and eat and rest in who he is. Um, if you're here,